Welcome to the Integrated Schools Podcast. I'm Andrew, a white dad from Denver. And I'm Val, a black mom from North Carolina. And this is Season 10 Kickoff, Reconnecting. We are back. We are back, Val. And better than ever. I can't believe it. We are back. It is fall. School has started. We've got lots of great stuff planned for Season 10, but we thought we'd just take a little time today to welcome everybody back to talk a little bit about, you know, where we are in our own journeys and what we've got planned coming up for the rest of the season. That sounds like a very good idea. We've already got some great conversations recorded. Stuff's going to be coming out soon. We've got great stuff planned. But we thought we'd take just a minute to kind of talk about the the big picture themes for the season that we're hoping to. And, I, you know, I always have grand plans about the, like, big arc of the season and the themes that are going to show up in every episode. And this is in no way a promise that that's going to happen. It's a promise. I'm sure there will be some <laughs> episode that doesn't actually pull it off or we'll forget to do something. But, you know, big picture, these things that that are on both of our minds, at least, as we kick off this season. The importance of public schools, the power of storytelling, the power of proximity and being in community, and then this idea of kind of stamina and hope and how do we push back against running out of steam. And we're going to unpack all of those. But first, Val, the school year has started. Yeah. How are you feeling? What's on your mind? Remind us where in school your kids are. And Yeah. When I was thinking about this, I realized this was the first year in a little while that we've had back-to-back years of normalcy. My son is now a sophomore. Cannot believe that. I know. Mm -hmm. And my daughter is a freshman, but her school is a 6 through 12, so she didn't have to move buildings. So the transition felt much easier. You know, we're we're new to the state. And so this is the year where I feel like, okay, we are making friends. I know people that I've seen. I kind of know the processes. I know how to get around the school. We are seeing young people in the community. Like my husband went to Krispy Kreme one day and we saw a student we knew and he threw in some extra miniature donuts. We were like, we need to go (laughs) on the day he works, (laughs) you know? And and so it's, it feels good to be rooted in community, like even around my neighborhood. You know, I, I love my neighbor, Mr. John, but I'm meeting other neighbors that nice. I get a chance to hang out with. One of my new favorites is is Miss Patricia. We share a birthday month. And so... Um, <laughs> God, <a> birthday month. <laughs> That's right. The birthday we are month in your birthday started. month, right? Correct. So we, are, yeah. we are days into my birthday month. Um, and so it, it feels nice to feel settled, not only in a new place, but still our post-pandemic reality. Yeah. And so it feels normal. Uh, yeah. Yeah. How about you? <laughs> I feel similarly. Neither of my kids changed schools this year. So I had a third grader go to fourth grade and a sixth grader go to seventh grade. So start of school year felt very drama free. And we were never going to get back to what pre-pandemic life was like. But this feels like the start of a year that feels really kind of squarely situated in a new normal. Yeah, We had years that were interrupted. Last year, it seemed like, okay, we're going to go back. But Things are still kind of chaotic and there, you know, there's still some chaos. I think we're still dealing, particularly my oldest, the seventh grade class, the administration has said one of their more challenging classes. I think they're kids oh. who missed missed some pretty key years during that the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And so there's challenges associated with that, but it does feel like we're sort of in a more of a normal state. And I do think there's a way in which I, f- I feel like I can't use the excuse of COVID anymore. Mm. The, the excuses are over. So now it's time to step back up and, and make sure I'm connected to communities in the way that I want to be. Nice. What sort of concerns are you sitting with here as we're, as we're kicking off this new school year? Yeah. yeah, I have some real concerns and then I have some made-up concerns. I think my <laughs> made-up concerns that feel real is preparing my two young people for college. 
Mm. You know, it doesn't stop at the K-12. Like you're also trying to prepare <laughs> them to be successful in the next level. I'm not a, a parent who like cares a lot about Ivy League or anything. Like get into a college, <laughs> get into a, a college, college yeah. right? Yep. And and we'll we'll make the rest of it work. But I can't help but want to make sure that they are taking advantage of clubs and make sure they have like the quote right classes. Mm-hmm. And and I've I've been thinking about those things a lot and that is probably a made up concern because it'll be okay. Right. right? I'm talking about someone who's been in high school for literally three weeks. I'm like, think <laughs> about your resume. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> She's yeah. like, can you chill? Like yeah. so I think that's something that I'm I'm recognizing now. Actually put more stock into than I thought I did. Mm, mm-hmm. And I'm just wondering what that says about my investment in the system in the way that it is. Yeah. Yeah. Right? That, it, that, that's really interesting. I'd be curious to hear from other listeners who have older kids. It's really easy to look at that kind of competitive, how do I set my kid up for the best success in elementary school and be like, that's silly. I'm not going to play that game. And the closer and closer you get to a place where they are actually going to choose a college, where they're actually going to set out on getting a job or whatever, the like reality of the way the world currently works starts to bump up against your like vision for the way you would like the world to work. Yeah, It's one thing to be like, yeah, I don't care about prestige at all. But the world may actually care a little bit. And right. So like, how do I balance those things out? Yeah, Yeah. that's tricky. Yeah. And so, you know, we're committed to their schools. We love their public schools. We're not, that's not the concern. But I think even within that, I'm like, okay, what club would feel good to have, Mm -hmm. you know, or is there a internship that we should be thinking about that would make you marketable or like, where should you do your community service and how should it tie Mm -hmm. into your other interests? It's, it's a lot. And what I am, what I'm also learning is that so much of it is driven by me as a caregiver. Like, I haven't had a meeting that says, hey, come to the school and let's talk about how to prepare your kid for college. But I know Mm. those conversations are probably happening in more affluent and or Mm -hmm. private schools. Like, hey, let's have a meeting about how to get your kids ready. We know those things happen (laughs) depending on what school you go to. And so that's curious to me because I I don't want to play the game. And yeah. yet I don't want my kids to suffer for not knowing the rules of the game. Right. Yeah. How much can you play the game without really buying into it? Yeah. How much can you like set them up without costing them their soul, but also giving them the the opportunities that you want them to have? Yeah. I think, yeah, that's a tricky Well, for better or worse, once they get to high school, they're like, I'm not doing that. So thank you for your suggestion, lady. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's probably the other no piece thanks. is right. You actually don't have <laughs> right. nearly as much control They're as you like, would like They're like, that was a cute idea, Mom. Yeah. But cool. I'm going to go do this. But and here, so. actually, this is what I'm doing. Yeah. Correct. Yep. Correct. Let me hear one of your concerns. Yeah, I'm not feeling a ton of concern at the start of the year. I think probably the thing that's weighing on my mind a little bit is just how to help my oldest through middle school. Mm. Like, middle school is middle school, and it's tough, and there are things about it that she doesn't like, and kind of trying to tease out, how do I sort of help her have the best outlook she can on the ways in which middle school is challenging, Mm. whether that's, you know, kids judging the clothes you're going to wear or kids not paying attention in class when she wants to be learning something more or Mm. the sort of social interactions and that sort of thing. How do we like set her up to have kind of the best attitude about the things that drive her nuts about 
middle school yeah. that doesn't like kill her spirit, but also acknowledges that it's reasonable to be frustrated with some of these things. That is a super valid question. It made me wonder at like if you talk to your cousin about what's it like to be in middle school, right? Or like some other person that's a little bit older than you that you trust, like maybe a family friend, maybe a, a family member who can kind of give you the lowdown. I mean, I have one just out to, yeah. you know, and uh, so if they can connect and just text about the realities, yeah, maybe that's, yeah. um, I am happy to offer offer that up. I will say there are challenges. I I, I feel very good about the school that she is in. Mm-hmm. And these challenges come up, and I, I you know, I, I can f- see the way in which it's easy to start blaming those things on this type of school. Oh, well, it's under resources where there's too many kids with high needs, there's too much poverty, you know, whatever. You can start like blaming the school. And most of the time, I'm able to just sort of let that slide and recognize that for the kind of the ways in which I've been programmed to blame that on the school and not on the time of life or the transitions or whatever. Yeah. But there are moments where she has been hanging out with some other friends who go to different schools, mm. more kind of quote unquote desirable schools. And they are also complaining about the school. And yes. I'm like, okay, I feel, I feel, I feel good. Now. Yes. <laughs> it just turns out that yes. kids kind of don't like seventh grade. So all right, I love cool. it. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Yeah, the other thing that I'm thinking about, I think it's tied to to my kids in college, is the recent Supreme Court decision overturning affirmative action. Yeah. I think what we have to continue to do as folks of color, whether you're affluent or middle class or under-resourced, find ways to stick together because I think those types of decisions are designed to divide us as communities. And again, I'm less worried about my particular kids having a a college experience that they can enjoy and get into. But I'm thinking about in the grand scheme of things, like what message does this send to communities who are trying to unite? What does it say about who deserves what? So I I am concerned about like, yeah, how do we, how do we remain in community when there's opportunities to divide us? And and so many forces, I mean, we'll talk about this here in 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 a minute, but you know, like so many forces pushing back on not just affirmative action in college, but public education more broadly. I certainly feel far more concern about the state of public education than I do for either of my kids in their particular public schools and the kind of the education they're getting. I have much more kind of like existential angst for the institution of public education than I do for either of my kids in this moment. I feel that. What feels easy? Is there stuff that feels feels like it had been a weight that is not a weight anymore? My, My kids have good friend groups. And that feels awesome to have familiar names, to have like a bestie to they -hmm. share time with and hang out. And that feels great because I I want my kids to feel socially connected. And, you know, again, moving here during the pandemic was hard for them to do that for a little while. And and now they have like plans, you know, like going skating or can I go over and hang out at my friend's house? And I'm like... Yeah, that that feels good. That yeah. that feels good. And so I'm I'm grateful. Yeah, I feel the exact same way. What are you hoping for this year? You know, I, I really appreciate that question because I was caught up in a future that's many years away. Mm-hmm. And so it's forcing me to kind of stay present. And so I think my hope for this year is that one, they continue to be open in their communication with me you know like having Mm, teens mm -hmm. yeah you know you want them to remain open and i i think we'll be able to continue to do that and that they will find some 
academic something, whether it's a assignment or a whole class or a project that they just fall madly in love with and that they're really proud of mm. of the work that they do mm-hmm. in that class. I haven't seen like that kind of spark yeah. yet, but I'm hoping that it happens this year. Mm. Those are good. Yeah, I share those particularly with the with the seventh grader. I'm not too worried about my ability to keep talking at her, but, but her <laughs> her willingness to continue to engage and to can you kind of share her her perspective feels like something precious that I definitely want to try to hold on to. Yeah. I have some hope for kind of as quote unquote normal a school year as we can manage. Mm-hmm. The impact of the pandemic is still with them, obviously, mm-hmm. and it sort of you know gets buried further and further the further we get away from the real traumatic piece of the pandemic but i know that it's still in there and so i think the more they can have a normal school year that just feels like a school year feels really valuable and and something that can start to like build them back up from the ways in which they were harmed by missing school and virtual school and all of the craziness of those early days of the it pandemic it was a wild time yeah So, Val, back to these themes for the season, you know, kind of a big picture. Our first theme is the importance of public schools. Why is that one of our themes for the season? Yeah, we have witnessed over the past couple of years now what I would say is a real attack on not only the institution, but what students learn and the people who teach them. And I have too many people in mind who have left the classroom, exceptional teachers, because it just became too difficult to do the powerful work of teaching. And so when you have something like a a teacher shortage or an exodus, this expertise and a restriction of what can be taught and the conversations that can be had, it can't help but feel like a shrinking of the institution on purpose. Mm. And so one thing that You know, I continue to think about, again, because I'm living in the future and I need to stay present. That's definitely what (laughs) a therapist would tell me, is that I'm about to age out. What will be my relationship with the local public schools once my kids are gone? Mm -hmm. What do I want that relationship to be? Mm -hmm. When you don't have that personal connection as a volunteer or as a caregiver or as an educator, it's easy to say like, oh, this institution doesn't do anything for me. Right. But it's as ridiculous sounding as I didn't call the fire department this year. Why are we funding them? Right. (laughs) You know, (laughs) like it just sounds ridiculous to say that. Right. And so continuing to talk about public schools and what they offer us, not only our young people, but our country, because you and I both believe it is a place where we can get really good at integration and practice the skills that we need to live in the world that we're trying to create. And if we take that away because of the nature of most of our neighborhoods, we lose those opportunities to connect across difference. It becomes much more difficult to engage in a civil way with one another. Yeah. And so we have to proclaim our love for it. We really yeah. do. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I, to- I totally agree. And it makes me think of a couple of things. One is just like, we have to proclaim our love for it 
and we love it enough to acknowledge that it is flawed and that it needs work and that and that there is lots to be done to you know make public education live up to the promise that i think we all mm-hmm. want for it that mm-hmm. we love it enough to you know love it into being better mm-hmm. and the way we love it into being better is by participating is by showing up and is mm-hmm. by investing in it as an institution because from the very early days of this podcast and of you know integrated schools the organization more broadly has been this idea that multiracial democracy requires multiracial education mm. that that for us to have a multiracial democracy requires us to do education in a way that is multiracial in a way that is you know sort of affirming of of people and so that has always been kind of baked into the the DNA I think of the organization and that's always it always felt sort of theoretical yeah. so like yeah I can see how you know education leads towards a more informed citizenry who can then vote and whatever but it all, always felt sort of like academic mm-hmm. and I think what the past year or two years has shown is really like those threats to education are real and I think those mm-hmm. are directly tied to the threats to democracy that like mm. the ways in which we are struggling to proclaim the value of public education, that we are struggling to support the institution of public education is directly related to the ways in which we are struggling to support the idea of democracy, that we're struggling to support mm. the idea of of a informed, engaged citizenry. And I don't think that that's by accident, right? I think mm. that there are people who are deeply committed to a version of the world that does not include public education. There are mm. a lot of people out there who are committed to a version of this country that does not include public education. And I think that you know whether that is in directly intentionally associated with also the end of democracy i don't know but i think that those things are directly linked and so yeah focusing mm-hmm. this season on what are the ways in which we can we can love public education into being the best version of itself feels like a really powerful theme let's go second theme we're talking about for this season is the power of storytelling yes why is that one of our themes yes so i think part of our hopes for us co-hosting this podcast together was always about being a model to our listeners about how to engage in in a relationship in this way where, you know, we're being really open with our own stories. It helps to develop empathy and understanding for one another. And I think you have gotten to know me and I've gotten to know you through our stories. And that keeps us from holding like stereotypes or biases about one another because I see you as such a wonderful, nuanced person who is just trying your best in the world that we have tons in common. And stories help us find those commonalities that that we need when yeah. we're trying to build together, you know? And so I think that everyone has a story. And that it is um, important for us to get a chance to listen to those stories, but those require intentionality. And yeah. so we want to be intentional about checking in on people's stories and understanding their stories and how their story helped them to be wherever they are at this right. moment, right? Because right. quite honestly, which is kind of weird, we are part of people's stories. Like you and I, these conversations, this podcast mm. will become mm. or are a part of someone's story about why they chose differently for their their child or yeah. how they started to think differently. And that's beautiful. Yeah. That's beautiful. And so you never know what your story or part of your story will do to help someone or build a bridge to someone or be unforgettable to someone. And, right. um, and that's kind of dope. So I think empowering people to tell their stories and understand their stories, that feels that feels like an important way to go this season. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and I think, you know, sort of in, in a similar way, storytelling has always been sort of baked into to the DNA of this show. And, you know, I think we, we always tend to start out with some question of, to somebody about, you know, like, why do you care about this? Sort of what's your story? What led you to this thing that you now care about? I think a real sort of intentional focus on on that piece this season feels like a way to get that heart shift. You know, I think that mm-hmm. that it's one thing to provide statistics. It's one thing to provide data. And I think, you know, we, we do some of that as well. And that stuff is really important. And that's good for kind of changing people's minds. But mm-hmm. it's stories that change people's hearts. It's the, it's the relationship. It's the story. It's the, the thing that makes you see your shared humanity that says, oh, actually, I don't, I don't only think differently about this. I now feel differently about this. So with that in mind, because stories are so powerful, one thing we definitely want to focus on this season is your story listeners. Some of our favorite episodes, certainly that we've recorded, some of the most downloaded episodes are these Colin shows that we've done, the Ask Me Anything episodes. And so throughout the whole season, we really encourage you to just take a minute and shoot us a voice memo. You can go to speakpipe.com slash integrated schools, S-P-E-A-K-P-I-P-E dot com slash integrated schools. Or just go to our website. There's a little send voicemail button on the side of the website. You click that or just record us a voice memo and email it to podcast at integratedschools.org. We would love to feature your stories, whether it's a fully fleshed out, here's this thing that happened to me, or just like, here's this thing that I've been kind of grappling with. I'm not sure what to think about. Send them our way. We're going to try to include them on as many episodes as we can. We absolutely adore your voice memos. Like, truly, we cannot get enough of them. So yeah. keep sending them because we don't have enough of them. <laughs> <laughs> we never have enough. No, of them. like, if we not get enough, we don't get enough. <laughs> right. So please send your voice memos in. We'd love hearing from you. And it helps us know that you're out there and you're thinking about some of these things and grappling with some of these things. So, yeah, for call. sure. Theme three, Val the power of proximity and being in community. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I have learned this over and over and over and over again. And in thinking about the ways in which you are invested in your local community is just really inspiring. And so, you know, I'm not going to lie, like the way you talk about your neighbors, I want to talk about my neighbors. And so I get out there (laughs) and I'm trying to know all my neighbors and not only my neighbors, but like what is happening in the community, what's important to people in the community and the ways in which I can show up for people in my community And not only is that like a local thing, but also across difference, right? And so knowing that I only have one perspective and in order to broaden that perspective, I I just have to have different people that I call my community that are in my community in order to, to make that happen. When you know someone, you're willing to fight with them and for them. Yeah. And that makes the effort of building these relationships across difference, like, so much better and we need to be together and i think you mentioned that you can no longer use the pandemic as a way to to stay away from people and of course we can still engage with others and and practice safety in in situations where there are viruses out in the world and yet we have to be there we have to be in that proximity it can be virtually it can be face to face but i think that is the way you get to know people and you get to love people yeah. I mean, that's what it's about for me. Totally. Right. Like, why bother being alive if not for that? Mm. <laughs> if not for relationships, if not yeah. for that. I feel deep ties to my community, to my neighborhood, to my city. And and that is, you know, largely based on the fact that I moved here when I was two. Um, mm. I left for 
whatever, 15 years or something, but then came back. So I think people can hear it's really important to be in community. It's really important to get to know your neighbors, to kind of become part of your community. And then they like get to a school and a weekend, they don't feel like they're part of it. And they're like, ah, what am I doing Mm, wrong? I'm failing. mm -hmm. And so I think it's important to, you know, to, to hold that out as a value, to say the power of being in proximity, the power of being in community is really, really important. And it's it's slow. It's a slow process. Yeah. You know, and and particularly if what you're looking to do is create meaningful relationships across lines of difference, it's a really slow process sometimes. Sometimes you might not even get there, but like it's worth the investment in it. And I think when you're forming a new relationship with someone who shares a lot of your same characteristics, whether that's about race or class or, you know, social position or whatever it is, it's easy to get to the surface level quickly. And I've found at least also easy to stop with. Mm-hmm. That like it never really goes beyond that kind of surface mm-hmm. level. Mm-hmm. And if you put in the effort to build deeper relationships, maybe it takes more time to get there. Maybe you have to do more kind of winning over. Maybe you have to do more just showing up and being somewhere before you kind of get the opportunity to start building a relationship. But then those relationships, like you were saying, those relationships across lines of difference are the ones that really enrich you even more. The ones mm-hmm. that really make your life richer because you are being exposed to new perspectives, because you are seeing the world in a different way through somebody else's eyes. Yeah. You kind of hinted at it in what you were just saying about how these things take a long time. You want to tell the good people about our last theme? Yes, our last theme, stamina, hope, and the fear of running out of steam. Mm. This can be hard work. Yeah, absolutely. So one day I had a moment of clarity. (laughs) And I looked back at how much work I did from 2016 to 2022 related Mm -hmm. to like educational justice and racial justice work. Mm -hmm. I'm like, no wonder I'm tired, right? (laughs) Yeah. It was a lot going on during that time. And had I not spent a significant portion of that time studying historical movements, Mm -hmm. I may feel like I'm losing hope at this point. Yeah. Right? Because here it was, I have... Six years of intense daily work to change the world. And the world's not that different. (laughs) You look up and you're like, did anything change in those six years? And the answer is yes. Lots of lots has changed. For sure. Some of them I will never see because they are like seeds that have been planted in people. They are conversations that you have. And there's different conversations that are happening now that we I'm sure weren't having six years ago. Even when I think about something like now I always introduce myself with my pronouns. That was not something that I did probably even like three years ago, right? Like, you know, and so I think change is happening and it can feel painfully slow if you expect all of it to happen as I did when I first started this work (laughs) that I get it fixed by and when my son was in kindergarten that by second grade I'd have this done because I'm an overachiever. You can retire. I achieve. You go go to the beach, racial justice is is solved. (laughs) And I think it can be frustrating if that is your mindset and you don't understand one, how long these movements take. I remember I listened to an awesome NPR story And it was about gay marriage. And a person 40 years ago wrote a paper and it was like debating it in their Harvard class and, you know, started working on the policy. And it took 40 years. But 40 years later, like, 
here we are. Like, I did not see this coming, right? right? So I know there's lots of stories of people who have worked for decades for policies to change or for for anything that might seem like a small step. Yeah. But people are working very hard for those right. efforts. And and even the story about gay marriage is how quickly it, it happened. And, and there's a way yeah. in which that is true. And certainly it happened faster than other things. And it only was able to happen faster than other things because of the decades and decades of work per, to, to lay the groundwork for that. And even the story of our attempts at integration in the 50s, it is it told in like a really small section of time. That we had we racist to, schools. We yeah. passed Brown v. Board. We don't have racist schools anymore. Good right. work is done. Yeah. Right. That's why what we teach in schools is, is vital. But yeah. I think that really fools people into thinking that just a couple of weeks of hard work or just right. one or two conversations and yeah. I'll be best friends with this person who is different from me and right. we'll bake pies, <laughs> you know, um, I think that's a fallacy and I think people start to lose hope if they if they think it's going to happen that way. And yeah. so it takes stamina. And I think the ways in which you gain that stamina is one, understand like these things take time, like have a deep understanding of that. And two, find opportunities of joy in that yeah. in the work. Joy and connection and and building together. Because I absolutely believe that we can do a lot of good with this podcast, but nothing will replace like the re- relationship that you and I have. Totally. So that whenever this podcast sunsets in another decade or so, <laughs> like we'll still have our relationship, right? And we'll still right. be willing to do work together right. in a way that is meaningful. And I think we have to understand like you might have a project or a moment or a thing that you're working on and it may or may not come to fruition in the way that you hoped, but there's still work to be done. And yeah. you can still do that with others. It's like one of the things that was so hard about the pandemic. It is in the with others that the stamina is built. It is in the with others Mm. that you find the joy that you find. And so the ways in which the pandemic pulled us away from each other, you know, and it also like made it certainly gave me far more of a skill set around building relationships over, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, a recording platform where we're in two different states. But, you know, it it also like kept us away from from people and kept us away from being in community. And that's the thing that, you know, to, to sort of tie all of these things together, you've got public schools where hopefully in the public schools that we want to imagine, you can tell the story of the civil rights movement. You can tell the story of all the work that has gone to get us where of the history that we are pushing back against so that it is a little easier to not be discouraged when we don't change things overnight. And you can be in proximity and in community and build relationships. And then you can rely on those when you need that stamina to say, okay, like I'm, this is, this is depressing. I'm ready to throw up my hands. I'm ready to say, I can't do this anymore, but guess what? Here's somebody else who's doesn't happen to be in because we all hit those places. But here's somebody who doesn't happen to be in that place right now and they can sort of, you know, carry me for a little bit and say, here we go. I'm going to do some of this work now and then I can hand it off back off to you when you're, you know, have recovered and taken care of yourself a little bit because, yeah, it's a marathon. It is a marathon. That's what we're shooting for, listeners. Power of public schools, the power of storytelling, the power of proximity, and the need for stamina and the power of relationships to to provide that stamina. So what do you think about that? Send us your voice memos. We want to hear about it. And we have all sorts of exciting stuff coming up. Like I said, we've already recorded a couple of episodes. We also had interns working with us this summer. 
which was super exciting and a new thing for the podcast. And Tadea and Jaden were awesome. We're so grateful for all of their contributions. You'll be hearing from them on the feed coming up pretty soon. You'll be hearing from a CNN journalist named John Blake, who wrote a memoir called More Than I Imagined What a Black Man Discovered About the White Mother He Never Knew. Woo, Val. That yeah. conversation was Look, something. I got goosebumps just thinking about the conversation. <laughs> I got goosebumps yeah. in the conversation and yeah. then just goosebumps thinking about the conversation. Yeah. Great conversation Man. about race and coming to terms with his own biracial identity and the power of relationships. And all of these themes actually that we've just talked about are, are all in there. The power of being in proximity, the power of being in community and stamina. Really great conversation. The interns both took a Latinx experience and education course at Yale and this sort of radicalized them. And so they're going to bring us some stories from their course of some things that they learned, some conversations with some of their other classmates that are really fascinating. Always a pleasure to have youth voice elevated Absolutely. on the podcast and they really bring a, a great perspective awesome. we've got dr erica turner coming on the ways that districts respond to increasing diversity had a really great conversation with her and much much more much so, more yes listeners what do you want to hear i don't know if you can t- tell there's a theme here send us your voice <laughs> memos <laughs> we want to hear from don't you make us play crickets when we're trying <laughs> to play a voice memo <laughs> speakpipe.com s-p-e-a-k-p-i-p-e dot com slash integrated schools send us a voice memo let us know what other stuff you want to hear this season what things you're thinking about as you're kicking off your school year what things you're worried about what things you're not worried about I love you know what things felt like they were a big deal a year ago or two years ago or five years ago that don't feel like a big deal anymore I feel like there's such power in those things what sorts of stories are you telling how are you finding your way into community or struggling to find your way into community and you know what do you do when you need a little more stamina for this work when the work gets Mm. you down where do you turn to let us know we want to hear from you so we had a really big event happen this summer that we people need to know about (laughs) we did we actually met in person we actually met in person i cannot believe it um (laughs) and it didn't feel real for a super long time um but it also didn't feel weird it did not feel weird. So just folks, I was on, I had to go to Colorado for a work trip and I said, hey, why not extend the trip and go see my buddy here? And you were super accommodating, invited us into your home. It wasn't just you, your I whole know. family. I know, my your husband, whole family. the two kids, everyone yep. made it. Um, everyone except for Bobby Brown, our bearded dragon, who was safely <laughs> boarded. You cooked for us. I learned that you can keep guacamole green by putting a red onion on it. Who knew? <laughs> yep. Who knew? Yep, the internet um, knew, I think. We played family games. He even made me meet his parents, y'all. Yep. Nephews, everybody. I moved at everybody. Yep. But it was great to just be with you and your family. And, and like you said, it didn't feel strange at all. It felt very much like we had done this many times before. Yes, it was magical. I was very grateful that you were willing to come, that we were willing to bring your family into the chaos of our of our house and stay here for a couple of nights and hang out. And, you know, I feel like I hear things about your kids all the time in our conversations, but to actually be able to put faces to the names and, um, and get yeah. to meet your husband and get to hang out all together was really, really special. I mean, who knew you and my husband liked to quote the same movie? <laughs> <laughs> It was a good time. It was a good time. It was good. It was a good time. (laughs) There are challenges in building relationships virtually and it not insurmountable challenges, obviously. Absolutely not. I think it it depends on how willing all of the parties are to 
to be authentic and to be vulnerable and to treat the virtual relationship like a real one. And yeah. if people are willing to do that, then when you finally meet in person, it's like we've yep. just been on FaceTime in the same neighborhood this whole time. <laughs> That's right. And I think we decided we we're going to try to do an annual family trip here yes. on out. So we'll see yep. if we can pull it off. And this is how friendships are made and sustained and love That's to right. see it. Mm-hmm. Yes. There's, yeah. So watching our kids play games together was definitely one of the highlights of my summer. It was so. a good time. It yeah. was a good time. For sure. We are so thrilled to be kicking off another season. Andrew, I know this will only make us better friends at the end yes. of all of this. And um, I'm just really thankful that you took a shot on me, a novice oh, podcaster. <laughs> Didn't know the ropes. Y'all, back in the day, it was awful. I was holding my little boom mic. It was. <laughs> it's a good thing we didn't have video. <laughs> We've come, we've come a long ways. We've come Such a long Such a ways. long way. <laughs> yeah. It has been a real gift. The final piece of this episode, listeners, is just to ask for your support. Patreon.com slash Integrated Schools. This work is uh, certainly a labor of love, and we enjoy doing it, and it is not free. So if you enjoy it, if it has meant something to you, if it has given you a new way to think about the world, if it has touched your heart in some way or changed your mind in some way, we would be grateful if you would chip in a little bit. Patreon.com slash Integrated Schools. You can give us a couple bucks a month. You can give us $50 a month. You can give us $500 a month if you want. You can join us for podcast happy hours, for podcast discussion groups. We would be grateful for that support. And always, we would love for you to continue to share the episodes, share with your friends, invite people to go back into the archives and listen to previous seasons so they can get caught up. Um, So many powerful conversations have happened and will continue to happen. And you are part of those conversations happening. So make sure you, you listen and share. Absolutely. Hit that follow button so you don't miss any of the exciting episodes coming up. And drop us a rating or review wherever you're listening to this. It helps other people find it. Yeah. We would be grateful for that as well. We like high ratings, though. So high, Yeah, give us good ratings. If you're yeah. not sure about yeah. it, then just Just err on the five-star side, you know? Err <laughs> on the five-star. Err on the side of five stars is what oh, we ask. <laughs> Val, I am so grateful for our friendship. I'm so grateful for your visit this summer and I'm really grateful that we get to kick off another season. It is an honor to be in this with you as I try to know better and do better. Until next time.